Welcome to the Fairly Fluent Podcast, the podcast for anyone moving to or living in France, where we talk about all things good, bad, et c'est pas possible when moving to this beautiful and sometimes complicated country. Coucou tout le monde, welcome back to the Fairly Fluent Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Dancy. I am so excited to have our very first guest on the podcast today. To know her is to love her. I have looked up to her ever since we first met. She really is one of the reasons that I believed that it could be possible to move to Paris and build a life here. Welcome, Corinne. You're making me blush. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here today, Sarah Dancy. The pleasure is shared to be your friend. So I, I can't wait to, uh, to talk a little bit more about our experiences here together. Yes, I'm so excited. So. I spoke in the first episode about my experience with Rotary International, and that is actually where Corinne and I met each other. We were on a bus trip <laughs> from Paris to Barcelona, yep. and that is where we met for the very first time. She was all decked out, so fashionable, <laughs> I was like so intimidated by her, and it was fitting because now she works as a consultant at NFP Fashion here in Paris, a fashion and luxury advisor. Yes. And we will just jump right into that. So Corinne, maybe we should start with how did you first hear about Rotary? How did you get involved in that and what brought you to France for the very first time? I grew up in a really small town in upstate New York and we always had Rotary Exchange students in our high school. And I never really knew them well because I wasn't the same age as them and wasn't involved in the same uh, programs as them. But I knew that it was an option because, you know, we had hosted um, in our high school different students from all over the world. And the first time that I actually went abroad and to France was with a high school exchange that my high school offered with a high school in France. So I went to France for two weeks and... After that experience, I was like, wow, you know, I really like it there. I really like the people there. Maybe I want to live there as an exchange student for a whole year. And boom, I got connected with Rotary. I was accepted into the program. Um, and as Sarah Dancy had mentioned on the last episode, you don't get to pick where you go. So France was on the top of my list and I was like pushing hardcore for it. And at my interview weekend that I had, it was a whole interview weekend, we get there, we arrive, and you have like multiple tables of Rotarians mm -hmm. who are involved in the Rotary Exchange program. And you go from table to table with like, and have different types of interviews. So the first interview that I had, it was actually with my parents as well, and this whole table of Rotarians. And the woman who was in charge of France is, she's now like such a good friend of mine. Like I love her to death. And she asked a question and it hit me a little too hard because it was a little too personal. And I started crying at my first interview table with my parents, <laughs> with the woman who was choosing who would go to France. So after that moment, I was like, well... I'm not going to France. Like, I hope I get accepted in this program. I want to go to France more than anything, but there's no way she's going to pick me. And in the end, she picked me still. <laughs> it's a miracle. So, uh, voila, voila. <laughs> it's very intimidating, especially because, like, the room that I was in front of was just a bunch of old men. Yep. And 
they just like badger you and they actually try to make you cry because they want you to know that it's going to be very difficult. So when I got assigned France and found out that I was going to Macron, I was like, where the hell is that? Yeah. But you were placed in a town right outside of Paris. Yes, the suburbs of Paris. So I actually, when I found that out, I was really upset because as I had said, the first time that I went to France, it was with my high school and the sister city of Rochester, New York, which is where I'm closest to, is Rennes, France. And so it's not in the Parisian region at all. And I loved the people there and loved the feeling there. Whereas in Paris, I didn't love my experience. So when I found out I would be coming to Paris, I was actually disappointed, which is oh crazy. And in the end, you know, I'm so happy that that's where I was placed because, you know, I was, I'm li- I was literally on the metro line into Paris. Easily 30-minute ride on just a normal metro center of Paris. So mm-hmm. I got very lucky. Yeah, and your experience is a little different than mine too because you had finished high school and you were 18, 17, 18. Yes. You were like a year or two ahead of me in that process. So what was it like to A, like first go back to school after <laughs> you had just finished high school and B, what was it like with all of those students for the first time? It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, the response oh I was looking for. Oh my gosh, I will not like... It's the thing that tested me the most in in my exchange, I think. So yeah, as as you said, I was already finished with high school in the US. I got my diploma and I had already been accepted to my university uh, afterwards. So I knew exactly what I'd be doing af- after this experience. And this gap year that I took, um, I was 17 when I first came uh, on the exchange, and then after a few months, I turned 18. So I was one of the oldest students also on this program. They placed me in a French high school in the suburbs, uh, and it was a public high school. And uh, I was in the equivalent of it for the U.S., a junior year. So in France, it's première. And uh, everyone was like 16 years old and immature (laughs) and just not enjoyable like I'm still very close to one of my friends from that class and then some others uh, I still keep in touch with but if I had not made this one friend uh, and it took a while to make friends let me tell you it took about three months to for me to feel like they actually thought I was a friend too if I hadn't have had her on that experience, I think I would have wanted to go. I think I would have probably asked to go home because the I hated I hated the French high school experience. Yeah, I also was in a public high school, and like there was a gate outside where people would have to stand outside and wait for school to open. I felt like I was at a prison. It yeah. was honestly like so depressing. And like I said on the first episode, like I was writing my journal, like I might ask to go home if I still feel this way in a couple of weeks, but it's holding on until you find that like one or two people that are actually interested in you and Mm -hmm. like want to help you because something we didn't really get to last time was I think a lot of Americans and expats in general, they have a different experience where it's like in the US, for example, 
if there are international students at your school in the U.S., everybody wants to know that person. Everybody wants to help that person. Everybody is so excited about the international students. In France, they, no, do, they do not, not care. I remember, I remember I was hanging out with my one friend in my <laughs> class, as we always did during like our breaks. And there were a few other French girls nearby, and we started talking. And my friend was like, oh yeah, this is Corinne. She's American. And they're like... We know. <laughs> and then silence. Like, they didn't, they could not care less. And here I am, just like, please, I need friends. I need acceptance. I need love. No. no. French people do not give that. And it makes you stronger in the end. But when you're going through it, especially as an American, where you would go out of your way, you'd go to the end of the earth to, like, make this person feel comfortable and accepted and, you know, involved French people will never do that. <laughs> they will never do that. Yeah. If you like find one or two and you're like, okay, I'm holding on to you yes. forever. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like when you actually started to feel comfortable and when you started to feel like you were settling into things? Well, first of all, I have to say it took about four months uh, for me to actually feel settled and comfortable and like I could express my self and my emotions in French. I think that I was very frustrated uh, around the three month mark um, where I, you know, felt like I wasn't making deep connections because I couldn't express myself in French and I was getting so frustrated and because everything was being bottled in, I was homesick, blah, blah, blah. And then one day it just clicked. Really the turning point for me was my high school took us on a, like a two-week trip to Barcelona, like my French high school. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Like, we're just going to Barcelona on this school trip. Because, you know, in the U.S., it's like, oh, we're going to Washington, D.C., blah, blah, blah. And here I am like, we're going to Spain? Like, yeah. this is crazy. Like, that, that's so cool that you get to go to different countries. Because when we got to Barcelona... The kids in my class, they were taking they were taking Spanish classes, but they weren't good at it. And the people in Spain didn't understand French, but they understood English. So I had the most power. I didn't speak a word of Spanish. Still not I don't today, but I had the power because I could speak with the people in Spain better than they could. So boom. But anyways, on this trip is when I connected with some other friends and I was like oh my gosh, they like me, like I have a few friends. And that was the turning point when I really felt comfortable, when I was able to uh, express my emotions, or even if I was having troubles expressing myself, I could be comfortable in being vulnerable and not being a perfectionist about the way that I was speaking in French, because that's something that's really hard. I mean, I think we both have this perfectionist background where, you know, we have to get everything right. We have to be perfect. And me? Never. <laughs> you? Me? No. And so it was so hard to be vulnerable at first um, and to know like, okay, I'm going to try to speak in French and it's not going to be correct. But the most important is that I'm trying, that I'm improving and that people are understanding me. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard, but you're forced to because if you don't do that 
you're just going to be silent Mm -hmm. and you're not going to grow or learn or experience things. And if anybody knows us, they know that we're never silent. (laughs) Us? No. You? (laughs) Me? We're on a podcast right now. (laughs) I'm your first guest. You're like, Corinne likes to talk. (laughs) I'll invite her here. I think something that we should touch on as well is it would be stressful to live in someone else's family and someone else's environment even if you come from the same culture and speak the same language yeah and something that people have to understand when they do programs like this is not only are you going into this family to learn their culture and their language but every single family has a different culture as well oh yeah and so like what was that like for you to live with another family it was so weird at first you know because you're so used to your own parents or even your best friends growing up you get used to their parents when you stay over at their house you're not living with them 24 7 but okay you kind of see how other families live and you know there are significant differences between your family and your best friend's family in the u.s and then boom you're in the middle of france with no idea how to communicate you're trying so hard, you're, you want to succeed so badly, but you're exhausted because everything around you is, you know, is new. And so you have to, your, your brain is trying to take everything in. So you're exhausted, you're confused, you have no idea what's going on. And on top of this, you are meeting this family that you have to live with for months. And so you're trying to, you know, establish relationships and communicate and it's so exhausting and it was really hard at first just because I think um, getting used to a different family dynamic that you you are like stuck in and I'm not saying stuck in a negative way but like there's literally the only option for you to get out if it's you know a fine family is to go home you know Mm -hmm. so um it was hard at first because you have to find ways to connect with these people um you know it probably not speaking words at first because you can't speak the words and they won't understand you so miming things you know writing things out showing things on computer screens yeah (laughs) you're like oh yeah this yeah you like to draw cool I like to sing, you know, like it's so, you go back to the basics, but then in the end, those relationships become so much stronger, even though it does take a lot more time. Um, And as we had already mentioned, French people are very hard to become close with, or it just takes a lot more time and effort. They're not going to go out of their way to make you feel comfortable the way that Americans or some other cultures uh, will go about it. I like that you said that it's not good or bad. Yeah. It's just people's culture are different. And so there are things that Americans are going to think of doing that French people might not think of doing. It's not because they're intentionally deciding that they're not going to go out of their way for you. Yeah. It's just not part of the culture sometimes. And I think on the one hand for us, we experience that by living with French families and by being in French high schools. But then for adults that move to Paris or anywhere in France as adults, they experience that when they're trying to make friends for the first time. And they're like, why didn't these people invite me to dinner? Or like, why haven't they invited me to their home? And it's just because French people take more time 
to build those intimate relationships. But once you're friends with them, it's like till death do you part. Yes, that, that's the thing. Oh, it takes so much time and it can be so hard at first when you're not used to the culture and you're new and you're just trying to make connections desperately and all of these things. And it can be very discouraging. But I mean, I think we're, we're kind of a testament to that. Like we pushed our way through it. We had perseverance and I mean... We, we have French friends. And for example, like my, my French host family um, from Exchange, I, they're my second family. You know, I spent like five Christmases with them here in Paris. We spend all of our birthdays together. My older host sister is getting married and she asked me to be like um, part of the wedding party, the Tim one. So, you know, it, it just shows that all of these connections that you make and you build up on and really, you know, you have to make an investment. It, it's an investment on both ends. But in the end, it can be so beautiful and it can be life-changing. And here we are because of all of that. Yeah, I think that's great. So before we move on to what came after Rotary and what brought you back to France, what are some of like the funny things that you said when you were learning French for the first <laughs> time? Because I'm sure we all have a full list of things that we've said and mistakes that we've made. Oh yeah, I mean the list is very, very long and at this point I don't remember all of the things because it's just like, oh man, the list is way too long. But I will never forget, um, I was on my exchange and we were, it was a break uh, during one of the like classes, in between classes at my French high school. And I was sitting outside with maybe three or four girls, um, one of them, the best friend that I still have from high school, and the other ones, the ones that I'm still keeping in touch with and, and know. And it was chilly that day, and we were outside for this break. And I was just like, oh, like, il fait frais. <laughs> and I meant to say, il fait frais. So I wanted to say, it is chilly, but instead, I said, he makes strawberries. <laughs> and my friend who was there just started laughing. She's like, oh, so cute. He makes strawberries. And I was like, oh. And I knew it when, I, when it came out of my mouth. I was like, oh, man, that wasn't right. But now I know. I will never say, il fait fraise. <laughs> yes. My friends will never let me forget this story. So... It's important to note that there are different levels that you go through when you're learning a language of like what you would call fluent. So you get to fluent where you're like comfortable responding to someone. You get to fluent where you're comfortable speaking first without being asked a question. Yes. You get comfortable to like make a joke in front of people <laughs> without a, being terrified. That's a big step. <laughs> I'm still struggling with that today. <laughs> Um, and then you get fluent where you're like, okay, I'm pretty much, my personality is the same no matter what language I'm speaking. So I would say three to four months into being in school, I was getting to that point where I was a little more comfortable to speak to someone without being spoken to. And I was sitting next to my friend Clemence at the time, and I thought that she was so cool and she wasn't very talkative. So I like was trying to impress her <laughs> and class had not started yet. And I turned over and I really wanted to just compliment her sweater because, you know, as Americans, that's like our go-to yes. to start a conversation. Oh, I love your shoes. Exactly. Where did you get them? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And so I like turned to her and I was like, j'aime bien ton poudre. <laughs> and she looked at me with the most confused face ever because also like we weren't having a conversation. This was a very <laughs> random sentence. So in French, the U sound is like so hard for Americans yes. because the phonetics are not the same as English. So it's like a uh, like you have to <laughs> use the back of your throat. It's like uh, pure. Yeah. Like even that wasn't even that great. And so I told her that I like her chicken. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, sometimes you're like, she should have just understood what you said. Yes. But no, completely out of context, yes. I turned to this girl and said, I like your chicken. <laughs> And she turned around and told the entire classroom, full of 14 and 15 year olds, and I was like mortified. 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 And you're just like, oh my god, can I go home? No, I can't. Because it's friend school. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, you're not even allowed to go to the bathroom and hide. You can't do anything. Man, it's like prison. I hated that place. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so all of that being said... When you finished out your year with Rotary and headed back to New York, you were set up to go to school in Boston. So I chose to go to Northeastern and study international business because the school actually offers double degree programs. So basically what you do on these programs is you study for three years in Boston And then after those three years in the U.S., you go to a partner school um, wherever your track is. So mine was in France because I was on the French track. And you study for two years uh, or you can also do one year, but then you don't get the double degree. You just get kind of like that study abroad experience, the expatriate experience. But I chose the two years um, so that I could get a French degree as well. So... I studied for a year and a half in a French business school and did a six-month internship in Paris. And in the end, it was really the reason why I uh, got to stay in France afterwards is because I had this business degree from the U.S., but at the same time, I got a business degree from France, which actually in France goes a lot farther than I would have expected uh, before I went on you know, my study program, everything. Yeah, definitely important for a lot of people to have that French degree when they're looking for a job on the market because it can be very difficult. So what was it like when you did your first internship? So uh, my first internship, uh, so as I had said, I was in France doing um, a business degree, but it was in the Champagne region. So I absolutely wanted to come back to Paris to do my uh, internship, end of studies internship, as they say, stage de fin d'études, and I wanted to absolutely work in the fashion industry. And I had applied to like a million different jobs, got none of them. Finally, I got one for, uh, it was a buying office um, in Paris that works in luxury and fashion. So basically, it was a position I was a digital assistant, but our company uh, would assist American retailers or international retailers with uh, brands and buying missions in like wholesale um, in the fashion industry. So it was amazing for me because I got this crash course in learning about up and coming brands, learning about the whole 
B2B business on the inside of fashion. And at the same time, like I loved the managers that I was working with. They gave me so many opportunities that I probably wouldn't have had before. And I was in Paris. Um, and then COVID hit <laughs> in the <laughs> middle, in the middle of my internship. And so, you know, I was able to um, work in two different Paris Fashion Weeks before COVID hit. And then, you know, no Fashion Weeks for me after that until the end of my internship. But I was still like learning a ton and having a great experience. Yeah, I remember you posting back then and saying like, thank you all for being concerned for me, but I'm going to stay in France yeah. because I don't want to mess up my path to citizenship. Yes. Well, so what happened actually was because I was still a student and I was a student of two universities. I was a student of my American university in the U.S. and the French university here in France. And so basically when COVID was starting, you know, stuff was hitting the van, they pulled Northeastern pulled all of their students out of Europe and they were like you need to get on a plane tomorrow and I'm like no <laughs> they they called the HR at my internship and they were, they were like can we speak to Corinne and they're like did you get our message I was like yes I got your email and they said did you buy your flight I was like no and I was like I'm doing an internship here like I'm also a student of this other university like I'm not coming home they made me sign a waiver and everything like signing away my rights to any help from the university to help like bring me back to the U.S. if things got worse so it was a big decision for me it wasn't just like nah I'm gonna blow you off and stay in France it was like okay well this could actually lead to some negative things if for some reason I do need to get back to the U.S. But I had talked with my parents and in the end, it was such an amazing thing to stay here in France. I'm not going to say that it was amazing to live COVID in super locked down France, but if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be in the position that I am today with as you had mentioned, citizenship, also with the job that I have and all of these things. So she's French, y'all. Yes, I am French as of two years ago now. No, a year and a half, I would say. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest on Fairly Fluent. Thank you so much for letting me be the guinea pig. It is always a pleasure. And, you know, I love to talk and especially love to help people too. I love what you're doing here. Everyone can come back to hear the rest of the episode next week. Yes, see you then.